Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, Chris, uh, I'm going to give you a chance to go deep on some topics around the leader in the context of uh, driving new business. Go. Well, you know, come on. That's the, that's the fun <laughs> stuff. It's tied to leadership. It's tied to results. Um, and it's tied and to the topic today, right? This idea that servant leaders are natural growth multipliers. And you've heard me say, and you've you've read my words about me versus we. I'm going to give you the chance to go deep because I want our listeners and our students to be enlightened. Ooh, ooh. Well, I have to say, I love the way that you approach it with, it's a shared path. It's a shared experience. But when I hear the phrase that it's we before me, it does cause me to go and get like... Uncomfortable. Yeah. I get a little maybe, and sometimes depending on maybe I even get angry. And I'll tell you why, because uh it takes a group of healthy me's to make a healthy we. And so often it's we before me is used to do one of three things. Do you want me to go into those three things or am I traumatizing you too much already? The, the, the trauma you traumatized me like two years ago or three years ago when we met. So <laughs> that I've got I've got calluses. But what I want our, what I want the listeners to be thinking about here is first off every model right every model is the result of a level of us achieving a level of mastery. Uh, but just because you're reading something or because you've concluded something doesn't mean that you can't create a finer point or a finer level of understanding. So, you know, when we talk about uh, we versus me, servant leader going out to the world saying, how can I serve and lead with a mindset that says, my focus is on what we can do together, not what I can take from this relationship. That's one perspective and it's a healthy perspective. But what I want, I want, what I want from this conversation is one, I want to learn because I want the model to get better. But I also want the folks who are participating in the program, um, uh, and I'm talking about the Sales Leadership Academy for those who are listening to the podcast, uh, to understand um, this concept at a deeper level. Because man, we all have different experiences here. We all have different ways of applying what we learn and 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 learning from what we experience. This is your chance, baby. Take us, take us to that deeper level. <laughs> Give us the enlightenment, man. <laughs> well, I'll describe the negatives first because those are so easy. So if I'm sitting in a meeting and I hear a leader say to the group, hey, 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 it's we before me, then my, my antenna goes up, my flag goes off. 
and I, and then I'm leaning in and paying extra close attention and I want to know what they mean. Do they mean number one, they are using the hype of we to suppress something that needs to surface for clarity. Mm. So, so, so we're going to talk about the positive of the phrase, but right now I'm just hitting the negatives. So the first negative that I see all the time, uh, you know, when you see that negative show up, it's, Hey, we could linger in this problem some more to really figure out what the problem is and what the answer is, but I'm a frustrated leader and I don't want to sit with this problem anymore. And I'm a frustrated leader. I don't want to admit there's any kind of problem. I'm an insecure leader. I can't have any of us talking about something openly that I'm responsible for. So what I'm going to do is say we before me to try to shut this moment down. And this moment could be something beautiful. It could be where we get an honest expression of some real problem. We could get an honest expression of some real issue. But instead, I'm, I'm powering up in this moment. Have you ever seen that happen before? Right. No, it, it, it's, and it's for me, if I'm understanding where you're coming from, for me, it's the reason I really believe, and I've, people have heard me say this, you know, there's no I in team, which I think is a bullshit statement. So I changed it to, to, to but there is a me. There mm -hmm. is a me in team. Mm -hmm. And you can't have a healthy team um, without healthy individuals, right? The team goal, objective, pursuit has to include all of the individual goals, perspectives, and pursuits of the members of that team. Otherwise, it's dysfunctional. Otherwise, it's not a team. It's a gang. You know, it's just a collection of individuals who are out to serve themselves. In the case you're talking about being led by a leader who is ultimately out to serve, using the team to serve their own insecurities. So yep. the, the best teams are the best combinations of individuals who have a shared purpose who have a shared goal and together they're walking uh, down a shared path. Beautiful. I, you know, the, the, I've never thought this or said this, but I'm riffing with you on the me as a team there, you know, there's no we in team, but there is an am. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and it's a state of being right. And it's am throughout human history, the big leaps in our thinking as society has come when we understand the individual has value and worth. I am that I am, right? And so <clears throat> the, I, the I am statement, yeah, there it is in team, you know, the am, never thought about that. But point of this is absolutely a shared experience, a shared common goal with healthy leaders makes an unstoppable team. That's what's so beautiful. But when we hear, when I see a leader really pushing hard on that phrase, hey, it's we before me, it could be one of three things. It could be number one, they can't sit with the problem of whatever's being surfaced and they're using a call of we before me to rush past a moment they need to actually sit in for a minute. Uh, two, I also hear we before me used in a negative way. when we are suppressing the need of an individual. So an individual has a need and the leader is trying to shut that down. Right. Now right. I'm not justifying the people that are out there that 
I've led before and you've led before that because they're so insecure, they make everything about their validation. Right. They are right. victims and they need everything continually built around them. Right. I am not saying that we have to slow down and stop for that person and we can't move until they're healthy. Yes, if they're my family. I mean, healthy communities move at the pace of the weakest member. But in these situations, that person doesn't need to be in that meeting or on that team or in their organization or whatever. So when I hear we before me, sometimes I hear a lack of dealing with a person that is causing collateral damage in the organization. It's easier to say we before me than deal with the real employment issue. And if you're wondering if somebody fits, you know, the old saying goes, it's already done. You know, you've already right. answered your question. Right. So have you ever seen that we before me and not deal with the real issue? Yeah, it's it's a crutch. It's an, it's a it's just a way to make you feel guilty and a way and a way to minimize, um, you know, you as a human being. It's another way that I as a early, uh, you know, sales person, um, you know, do you just marginalize the people around me who weren't agreeing with me? or uh, couldn't, I didn't think could get me where I wanted to go. So I just made them irrelevant by making the team more important and just let, telling them basically, you know, shut up and get in line. You know, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Weakest link. Are you going to be, you know, a weak link or a <laughs> strong link, all that shit. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it, but it's, it's something to be aware of, right? We have to be aware of it, but, but, but what is the, what's the point of changing? Like, what's the point of having a functional team, right? We can all look at, you know, the recent um, Super Bowl win, right? Tom Brady, number seven. And despite what you think of him as politics and how he lives his life, everything else, who cares? But just look at what he's done, right? He brings a level of leadership to an organization that didn't know how to win, in the words of their coach, and taught us to win. Um, and it wasn't by imposing. It wasn't by um, guilting. It wasn't by dehumanizing. It was by bringing folks together. Is there a lesson there that can be applied in the context of a sales organization? One. And is there a lesson there that can be, that can be um, valuable to us in the context of making a sale? Why do I ask the question that way? Because if you think about it, man, I mean, Chris, you know, you're going to, I'm going to have to ask you the same question. Have you ever been in a situation where a leader treats a team in a certain way and then the team members go and treat the people they serve, their customers, their, the members of the organization in the same shitty way, right? The shit uh, mm -hmm. flows downhill and a dysfunctional leader creates team members who treat themselves and others in the same dysfunctional way. If you're building a sales organization, how can that be effective? Exactly. Well, and, and so that takes to the third. The third, the positive is when we share this common path and we're here about what we can give more than we can get. When a sales professional, when a team leader engages into an experience and in their mind, they're saying we before me, and it's unhealthy, they can fail to get clarity. 
So they're trying to sell something to a customer who doesn't really understand the problem or doesn't really want right. that solution. They can right. fail to really hear what their need is because what they need isn't as important as what I'm trying to push onto right. them. Right. We right. before me, when it's healthy, there is a person who is leading, who is taking charge, who is not there for what they can get emotionally, right. validation, winning, results, sales. They are there to serve. They are there to give. They are there to assist. So they calm down internally and they let the real needs surface and they have a conversation around it and there's clarity. I know that's what you mean by we before me. Is that right? Right, right. right. <laughs> and, 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 let's, and let's think about it though in the context of a high-performing sales organization, right? You know, so often uh, the folks that I meet, the executives that I meet who um, have devoted their lives to um, to serving outside of work, right? In the context of a, a church or um, a religious calling, they, they, they thrive in those environments outside of work. But as soon as they enter the workplace and they're faced with the goals that are in front of them and the barriers standing in their way, they lose <laughs> what, you know, they lose the, the grace and the confidence that they had outside of work. And they resort back to the impatient, um, short tempered, um, um, unkind behavior that, um, characterizes them and and their team and actually makes it harder for them to achieve success. So for me, it's, you know, the, the challenge that I want to address is how do we create a mechanism that people can, people who are used to being fulfilled and functional outside of work can bring that same mentality, that same mindset to work and apply it to even the most stressful situations where, uh, you know, most stressful and the situation is like a, a top performing sales team would face, which is one where we are watching you, right? We are measuring you. We are coaching you. We're developing you and we're expecting you to hit your number. Man, but do it in that a functional way. Well, exactly. I mean, and that's the <laughs> thing, which I know you're so good about uh, clarifying. We can get the results, but do it in a wrong way in the sense of the the way that you tell stories about when you were learning this and you would close a big sale, but you didn't sell to them again because they wouldn't buy from you again because of the way it went down, right? That, that, that was a me before we transaction in an unhealthy way rather right. than being built around their need. Right, um, right. And, and if I'm vibing with you on this, it makes me think about sitting with my family on the couch last night and I'm trying to persuade us to watch the next bit in where we're, we're watching through the Marvel films again. And uh, I'm selling that, right? I want that to happen. It didn't happen last night, Jimmy. It didn't happen. And that's okay because we had a lot happening in the moment, a lot of emotions, and so it was we before me. Now, we all know I could have demanded my way and it would have been fruitless. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered right. anyway. But all I'm saying with that idea is when I'm showing up 
and I have to have it go a certain way to feel whole. I'm locked up. I'm not relaxed with it. It's not unfolding. It's not a process. Right. I'm forcing it. Right. And that's the thing that's so dangerous. You, you use the word grace. When we're in something that we have a sense of flow, we're cooperating with what's unfolding. We're attached to the process. We're not chasing the result. When we're forcing, we're chasing the result. We're, we're trying to make this thing right. happen. And that never, you know, long-term works to our advantage, does it? Yeah, and that's, and that's a great way of saying, right? That's, you hear great coaches throughout history talk about process versus outcome. You know, what are you attached to? And, um, and, and so the first thing that creates that dysfunction for that leader or salesperson who comes into an organization, a high-pressured organization, is they become consumed with the outcome and they let go of, or they forget about how do we get there? So there's a level of maturity uh, you talk about and we've talked about, you know, beginner, pro, master, right? There's that level of maturity or mastery that we have to um, bring into our team and into our own behaviors that say, hey, you know, the outcome is the outcome. I have no control over it if I don't first dedicate myself to a process that is predictable and repeatable. And that's where mastery lives. That's where mastery is developed. Totally. And, and if I could take that sequence and apply it to like frustration, when, when you're forcing it, you get frustrated, right? And so you're frustrated in the sales call. You're frustrated with the outcome. You're frustrated switching contexts from a, a, a B2C to a B2B interaction. And I know it's all people to people and you help remind me of that. And I love that. But here's how I think about it. A beginner a beginner misses the frustration on their face, in their emotion, in their eyebrows, in their body language. The beginner salesperson, it's showing up and it's creating a barrier. They don't know it's there. A pro salesperson explains it. They feel some frustration and they know a little bit leaked out and they'll say something like, you know, I'm sorry. I, my, my computer just shut down or my daughter had this thing happen or, you know, whatever. They're finding a way because they got an awareness that it popped out. That little frustration popped out and they try to explain it. A master takes every moment they feel frustrated and flips it. They use it for growth. Okay, the frustration is there. Why? Because something could be better. Vision always outpaces resources. What could be better? How could I learn more to do? How could I better context switch? How could I learn more from this process? How could I activate a deeper mindset? It's all material for growth. And then they move from frustrated to satisfied. They can get emotionally, mentally satisfied before the sale even happens. Well, what do they then do? This isn't mindset woo-woo. This is like real legit, right? They walk into that sale. Right. All right. And there's no need to explain or create an excuse your the master operates beyond that level yeah yeah so what the hell does this have to do with sales and selling and what does it have to do with the topic you know this idea of why servant leaders are natural growth multipliers or why are functional um leaders growth multipliers why are healthy secure leaders grow natural growth multipliers um you know when we think about healthy me, healthy we, as a salesperson creating a transaction, uh, 
what this means is that that transaction is good for all parties involved. In other words, the one plus one equals three. Growth is multiplied for you as the salesperson, for your company, but also for the buyer and their company, right? So this healthy, healthy me, healthy we, servant leader, serving a shared goal, walking or leading them down a shared path to change is all about the shared experience, the shared win, and the multiplication of growth for all involved. After that, every transaction, every conversation becomes that much easier. If we operate as that traditional winner-take-all, um, you know, power leader who's going to manipulate to drive the deal and only is focused on what they can take from the transaction, then that's going to make the next conversation, the next sale harder. Uh, and so over time, so, so how can you explain the reason it took me 15 years to pull my head out of my ass? Well, because <laughs> I have great staying power. I'm pretty disciplined and I could swallow the pain. I could, you know, ignore it and live with it and ignore all the signs until it was, until it was just too late and I couldn't anymore. It started to affect my health um, or it did affect my health. Um, so, so the message for everybody is to think of, don't think of yourself necessarily. If it, if it doesn't help you, don't think of yourself as a salesperson. Think of yourself as a growth multiplier and then mm -hmm. think of every situation you're in as one where you have an opportunity to identify how is this relationship going to benefit you? How is it going to benefit me? Then you can get into all the, all the um, tactics and ways that we um, can um, you know, engage with somebody to help both of us understand the what's in it for me. I'm not a fan of that because it's still all about me. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be as interested in how this helps you as I am in how it helps me. And by showing up that way, I can actually train my client to operate that way. And I think the connection back to leadership is if a leader is treats their team that way, then those team members will treat their customers that way. And you can actually have a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You can have all that goodness flow downhill and actually create a culture that's functional and an organization that is really well, finely tuned to have championship season after championship season. I love it. I love it. And I think the question to ask is if that's not happening, what is the person expecting to get out of the transaction? Because if, if you're not a growth multiplier, you're not giving you're trying to get more right. than anything else. Right. And, and here's the thing that I would want people to think about. You're probably not trying to get the thing that you think you're trying to get. You think you're trying to get a higher net worth or more sales or the feeling of winning or impressing the boss. But at a deep level, you just want to feel good that you're worth something, that you can add sure. value to the world and, and when you have that invalidated identity in you, that insecure identity, 
it's going to bleed out and leak out when you're under pressure, when you're in a new space, when you're at the edge of your abilities, when, when the stakes are high, that relaxed you isn't going to show up. It's the part of you that tries to take. And uh, man, that's the mindset. When that mindset, like you said, is in place, the tactics take care of themselves. We can still get right. better. Right. And you've helped me get better. Well, and it's so it, and it, they only, the tactics only work if you show up with the right mindset, which is, you know, back to this concept of, of building functional habits, right? And we'll get into this in later conversations, but this idea that a winning habit is a combination of mindset, skill set, tool set. I can give you a tool, but if you don't have the skills to use it, it's worthless. I can try to teach you skills, but if you don't have the mindset that opens you up to believe that these things can actually work, then it's not going to help you. Um, we have to find ways, triggers, concepts, paradigms, um, you know, things that get us into the, that, that, that center us, that put us in a, in a situation with the proper mindset for that situation. For me, uh, as a high performing salesperson, um, you know, the year that I, that I came to my senses, it was, you know, Friday, February, Friday, February, Friday, uh, December 31st, and I was reclosing a client and burping up stomach acid. And I was mm. performing for my boss and my global VP. I reclosed the deal, but I was a miserable wreck. Um, it happens, right? And, and the, the challenge for me was I wasted 15 friggin' years fucking around trying to make that way of selling work and try to wake, make that way of living my life work. One guy at home, one guy at the office. And I wasted all that time. Um, so <laughs> this is, this is the things you're saying, Chris, I think, um, that I recognize them as universal truths because I lived it folks on the phone, uh, folks, folks listening in on this, uh, on this, uh, podcast, uh, may not, Maybe skeptical, may not be realizing it or recognizing that this stuff is true because they haven't been there yet or haven't kind of seen themselves there. Uh, but I can, I'll tell you what, you can save yourself a lot of time by just thinking about how you're showing up to the next conversation you have with a coworker. How are you showing up to the next conversation you have with your kid? How are you showing up to, with the next conversation you have with your spouse? How are you showing up to the next conversation you have with a client? Where is your head? Are you thinking about multiplying growth or to, to Chris's point, are you thinking of what you can get, what you can take, what you can capture, what you can consume, right? What you can walk away with as a, as a trophy that demonstrates your dominance over that other individual. That's what's mm. going to separate you as a leader that's what's going to separate you as a salesperson. And it's why we say, you know, what this whole program is about, this whole process is about, is about practicing sales as a leadership competency, right? A functional leadership competency that multiplies growth for all involved. You, you can't outgive abundance. So when you know an internal state of abundance in who you are, 
that you have nothing to prove or hide, that no one human can give you enough validation to behold, that there's not enough trophies or achievements you can collect that are going to finally make you go, ah, I have value and worth. When you have that internal abundance, then everything is about, I'm showing up to give more than get. And, and I do want to get from it. I just want to give more than I get. Not because I need to do that to feel whole, because it's flowing out of me. So I'm adding value continually. And, and those are the kind of people that over and over and over see this, like you described it, this growth multiplier, the effect that rolls down through the organization. It rolls down through their, their network and, and people keep coming back to them for more. Truth. All right. Great conversation, Chris. I'm looking forward to the next one. In the meantime, man, be good. You too, buddy. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace. Peace.